Hello and welcome to the From Page to Picture podcast, where we take you page by page and scene by scene through the movie adaptations of all your favourite books. We are your hosts, Lucy and George, and today we are talking about Fantastic Mr Fox. Fantastic Mr Fox is a short children's story that follows three horribly cruel farmers who are out for revenge against Mr Fox, who has been stealing their livestock to provide for his wife and children. Mr. Fox, however, as the title suggests, is fantastic and cleverly hatches a plan to outwit the farmers by stealing food from right under their noses, helping his community in the process. Published in 1970, Fantastic Mr. Fox was the fifth children's book written by Roald Dahl, and while most famously illustrated by Quinton Blake, it was initially drawn by Donald Chaffin. The book earned Dahl the Read Aloud Bilby Award from the Children's Book Council of Australia in 1994. In 2009, the book was adapted into a stop-motion comedy of the same name by Wes Anderson in his first fully animated film, as well as being his first adaptation. The film starred the voices of George Clooney, Meryl Streep, Willem Dafoe, and many more. It was met with critical acclaim, with several award nominations, including the Academy Awards for Best Animated Feature and Best Original Score. Yet despite this, it only managed to bring in $47 million at the worldwide box office. Wes Anderson has been widely regarded as perfectly adapting Dahl's source material, and I wholeheartedly agree. What about you, Lucy? Book or film? I think like when you first came to me and said, we do Fantastic Mr. Fox, I was like, sure thing. But then I was really worried because I was like, I'm going to have nothing to say about this like really short children's book. And then I watched the trailer for the film after I read the book and I was like, oh God, oh God, like this animation is different and unique. And like, I've never really been a massive fan of animation films to begin with, but like, it's, I'm going to say it's one of the best films I have ever watched and possibly one of the best adaptations I've ever seen. I 100% agree. It's probably one of my favourite films. And I think doing Fantastic Mr. Fox is like a polar opposite to The Goldfinch, both in terms of quality and the fact that The Goldfinch, we were, the film was condensing the book, whereas here Fantastic Mr. Fox is adapting the source material into something bigger. Yeah, like the book is only, I think, 80 pages and the film's a 90-minute feature film. So, And I mm. think like West does a really good job of adding new material to this source material that he's already got and developing the original story. Like, I think what stood out for me is how he kind of expanded the character's personalities and he took this idea of like these clever animals outwitting the farmers, but he made it so much more than that and added the new adventures and the family friendships and like communities and the consequences of actions. Yeah, definitely. He made it so that rather than just copying the book plot entirely he changed it to better suit a 90 minute runtime and also the characters are while they still include the same characters from the book they're much more iconic and fleshed out yeah i also think he not only did he change it for the film but he also changed it in terms of target audience like the dal book is aimed purely at younger children but we get much more nuanced and kind of mature theme in the film that kind of is applicable to all audiences not just children yeah i think kids can still definitely enjoy this and i i definitely enjoyed it as a kid but it does also give you a chance to pick it apart in a way and really enjoy it as an adult as well i also think like it was made in 2019 uh, 2019 2009 um but 
it's still so much relevance in the themes and the lessons that it teaches like it, every year that you watch it it doesn't it, there's nothing there that's outdated which i think is bravo to wes anderson for that mm, yeah it seems so like fresh and new despite coming out what i can't do maths uh 10-ish <laughs> years ago yeah I also think, like, in terms of character, I think the one character that's a lot better in the film in terms of development from Wes is Mr. Fox himself. Like, he's much more sympathetic in the film because he has this obsession of stealing chickens and he doesn't know, he like, he knows he shouldn't commit it, but he does it anyway. And in the book, there's not really that sympathetic side to him that comes across in Dahl's writing. Because it's such a short book, it's more just about the stuff he does, how fantastic he is to, to the kids. But uh, in the film, he's much more conflicted about who he is. Like, a big part of the film is nature versus family life and being domesticized. It's like, he's wearing a suit, he's buying a house, and he's trying to be a newspaper columnist, but yet he still wants to give in to his natural urges of a fox and steal animals and stuff, even though he can afford his own stuff and then I, I think the wolf at the end it shows that he's going against his animal urges and showing that he's kind of embraced the domestic life in a way yeah I do think there's kind of this transition from a young Mr and Mrs Fox in their childhood who are very much like Bonnie and Clyde who then kind of realize the importance of family and accept that family as their staple and I think like even in the character of Ash, the young kid, he follows in Mr. Fox's footsteps in realising that he can accept himself for who he is. I think the book is a lot more animal than human, whereas the film's a lot more human than animal. Yeah, even though they still very much like, they've still got the fur, they've still got the animal way that they eat and the way they run and everything. It's puts it more into a human perspective and I think that helps us as the audience relate more to them than we could in the book yeah yeah I think he he kind of makes it a film where you can still love the book but you can love the film just as much and in that he's reaching out to all audiences for me one of the highlights of the film was the stop motion. So that's the animation style that it's in. And I like, I loved Wallace and Gromit. And I think I fell in love instantly with the style of the stop motion of Wes in that he puts so much great detail into how it's all done. And it's a little cursed, like we can accept that, but it's so nuanced and detailed. It's fantastic. Like, Wes Anderson is probably one of my favorite directors. And I think his stop motion work is some of his best. He's very visual and isometric in how he has everything laid out and he's able to do stuff with animation that he isn't really able to do all the time with a proper film. Yes, he does magnificent stuff like Grand Budapest Hotel and he's probably going to do with the French Dispatch, but it's just his animation stuff is just like such charm to all audiences and it's just, I'm so, I'm so excited for what he does next in that medium. It's so like wacky and inventive, but realistic at the same time like everything it's so handmade like I read somewhere that the jacket that um Mr Fox wears was crafted from Wes Anderson's own jacket and I think that's that's so cool because he can put himself into that film but make make it look Mm. realistic but also crazy at the same time I do think his heart and soul 
and his love for Dahl's work is also in the film. In like he puts Dahl at the front and center of the film. Like the opening shot is of someone holding the fantastic Mr. Fox book. And then you have like the text from the book on the screen as like the soundtrack begins. And then he takes like the chapter titles and puts them at the beginning of each new section. And it's it's all very much like a shout out to Dahl. Obviously, Dahl is the inspiration for this book, but it goes a lot deeper than that. That like Wes Anderson's first book was Fantastic Mr. Fox, and he wrote a lot of the book at Roald Dahl's Gypsy House, and he actually visited it, so it's a lot of inspiration for him. And it just shows yeah. that this film was really important to him, and it's his only adaptation he's done so far. And it just kind of shows how important getting this film right was for him. There's something personal there about it, yeah. I also think like it's the joy of reading the book as a child that comes across in the film but also the joy of creating and recrafting and adapting it and using the animation and using this new story to make other people fall in love with the film and then go and fall in love with Dahl's book the way that West did. Mm. Yeah the book is so charming and small like you could finish it in a day if you wanted to. And it, it just, you can feel a bit happier about life. And the way West did it, he's managed to perfectly capture that again, but for a modern audience. I do think there's a self-consciousness to the fact that he knows that he's adapting it. And it's it's not that he's trying to change it. It's a retelling from his own perspective. Like, this is how I experienced the book when I read it. And this is how I want you guys to see that through the film. I also think there's something interesting in how the casting, like I found it really interesting how the human characters, the villains are played by British actors and the like the primary villain, Franklin Bean, is played by Michael Gambon. But then the American actors are the ones that play the animals. And it kind of reminded me of Disney films and like how the villains are often, they use a foreign accent. And, and they, I feel like there's something sociological happening in there in this British versus American animal versus human. Mm, yeah, definitely. Kind of sort of like Civil War-esque in a way. But it's kind of like a reverse in a way because it's the American voice actors invading the British farms rather than the other way around. And I think I think the main reason why they did that is because British actors are so iconic as villains. Yeah. <laughs> and it, they definitely had, as farmers, that British vibe. And I think it would they would have lost it if it was like an American farmer, in a way, because like of the tweed hats and the caps and stuff. There's just something I about think, us that screams farmer. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> and I think they've really did the farmers justice in the film because they're such iconic villains. All of Dolls are villains are iconic, and it's really done well here because they're just all disgusting and like not very nice to be in a room with and they just perfectly embody how you expected to see them in the book obviously they were illustrated but they managed to kind of pull it out and put it right into the film yeah I do think uh, like obviously you've got the images in the book to guide you visually but even if you didn't have them I think how they pictured them in the film is exactly how I would have pictured them and I think there's something there's something funny about them but there's also something kind of just creepy and a bit like at one point um the main one puts um Mr Fox's tail as a tie and I think that's Mm. that's so iconic like 
as a villain and it's it just embodies everything that the farmers represent as these villains that want rid of the foxes and the vermin i don't know if it was just me but i, I thought it was a really cool nod to quentin blake as an illustrator with the tail at the end of the film because the rabid dog shakes it around and becomes all ratted and tatty, kind of like the art style of Quentin Blake, which I thought was really cool. That's really cool, yeah. I didn't notice that. I love his drawings. They're almost like he just doodled them while he was at school, but they're so detailed and they just add something to the story when you're reading it. And it really adds to the book's kind of grimy, dirty appealing to kids kind of nature just being all scruffy and good looking that's basically the definition of fantastic mr fox in the book the film soundtrack is oh absolutely amazing it's so good and so catchy just yeah mm. i think it, it goes definitely well deserved with... to be nominated for best original score definitely <sighs> yeah did it did it win no i don't think it did but Snubbed. Snubbed, definitely. I I think it goes well with the colour of the film. Like, it's so bright. It's Wes Anderson embodied in colour, like the yellow and the oranges. And then there's occasional greys and blacks, but I think that the energy of the soundtrack is reflected in the energy of the colour palette. Yeah, definitely. It's such, like, bright, warm colours and it's matched by this bright, warm songs and tunes throughout. I think the person who did the original score... It was the first time they used a banjo. Oh, that's cool. Which, which I thought was really cool. And it was just kind of like, it shows how they had so much fun making this film, trying new things, doing different things, and just making it all quirky and such a unique film to what it is. Yeah, creating talent. Also really unique as well. It's, it's West putting his mark on this film, not just in the characters, the plot, but in the soundtrack. Also, I really liked how they pulled the uh, song from the book into the film. And they don't tend to do that very often in book-to-film ad- adaptations. And they did it so well, like the Boris Boggis Bunton Bean. And it's such a catchy tune in the film. And it's just, it kind of perfectly shows how they've adapted this small, cute little book into a big film. And it's just much more grandiose in its delivery. And it reminds me of when you like you say, I hope this one line or this one quote or this one like scene in the book will cr- come across in the film. And I think West understood his readership and understood what was done well by Dal in the book. And he thought, I'm going to put that exactly straight into the film. I think that's pleasure of adapting books. And just going back to how uh, Wes adapted the original story but changed it to incorporate different features and develop the characters he's kind of i think it's still a kind of a nod to dal how he the overall plot basically stays the same they start off annoying the farmers uh, they dig a hole and then the only then the, the only bit they really add is when they get flooded out and attack them and go and save somebody and it ends with them all living underground stealing from bogus blunts and beans still while they're crowding around a hole yeah, he, he's kept the framework of the book in the film and he's included all of it. He's just added to it. I am glad that they get flooded out and attack them because I do think one of my criticisms of the book was at the end when I was just like, well, really? You, you're just, you're never going to confront them? And they just, and he, like Dal says, they just, we don't know how long the farmers stay there. I'm like, no, go confront them. 
Yeah, it, it is a bit bizarre how it kind of stops. I was expecting when I started rereading again it to for some reason to keep going and it just stops with them just crying around the hole. And I guess it's kind of supposed to be that kind of anticlimactic ending, just showing that he's such a fantastic fox that like he doesn't feel like he needs to give them what they want. Yeah, him taking ownership. I do think the book the book felt to me like it was just he was just digging the whole time. It was just pages after pages of him going, well, we're going to dig again. And I enjoyed the digging in the film, but I'm glad it wasn't the whole film. Yeah, I really liked how they kind of, one, how they drew the digging in the book and how they represented it in the film. I thought it was so cool. Yeah, it was very similar. What did you think of George Clooney as uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox? He was fantastic. No pun intended. <laughs> He was just, like, he brought a humour to it, like, a dry wit, but also, like, a smugness and a smartness, like, probably down to the dialogue itself, but I just think there was a confidence about it, but also this inner vulnerability, like, Mm. associated with his wife and, like, his whole problem stealing. Yeah, George Clooney was definitely able to bring that suaveness to the character, like, he was borderline a James Bond character, but he wasn't the douchebag. Protest for Fantastic Mr. Fox to become the next James Bond. I'm down. I would like that. (laughs) I think my favourite character of the film was the rat. Like, Willem Dafoe did some, he did some really good work there. Yeah, that was such an amazing expansion of the character because he was just this one in the book he's just a normal rat drinking cider whereas in the uh, film he's under the employer of Bean and he fights Fantastic Mr Fox and his family on multiple occasions and then he even has a redemption arc at the end and he's just he's it's never boring to watch him on screen it's always a joy it's just so interesting how in only an hour and a half Wes manages to give everyone enough screen time to develop the characters to give a character that gets so little screen page time in the book, a redemption arc, and to actually be able to feel emotionally invested in them. Like, I was emotionally invested in that rat. Yeah, he, it's, it's so interesting because all of the animals are so uniquely designed and illustrated and portrayed in such a cool way. Like, uh, Mole is like a musician or rabbits, a chef, and we, we find out all their Latin names and we learn so much about them. Whereas the humans, we don't ever learn their Latin names. They all look the same, pretty much. The only exceptions are the villains, and they're the only distinguishing factor, really, is that one's fat, one's small, and one's tall. It definitely draws on the idea that this is a book that's going to take your stereotypical ideas, that rats are vermin, and these these stereotypical ideas we have of animals that we just kind of toss aside and actually make them into real people and like mole was so cute mole was very cute also kid badger oh yeah (laughs) what did you think about how the so in the book they mr fox has three kids but in the film he only has ash and then there's also the cousin i think that definitely worked for the film because it's more of a closer family union. And, and I think if there would have been more of the kids, it would have been much harder to give them the, all the screen time they deserved. And I think Ash, I think his son was called, having him be the only child and have in a conflict with Christopherson was really cool. 
I do think it drawed a lot on like allowed to develop relationship between a father and a son and like the idea of expectations and living up to your father and when Ash is able to save his cousin it just it definitely draws on this idea of family coming together to save and work together when there's trouble. Did you know that the uh, girl fox in the film who is interested in Christopherson and Ash is interested in her uh, is actually voiced by the wife of Wes Anderson? That's so wholesome like it's not just his passion it's his family passion but I also think that's interesting because I think what came to cross like to me in the film was this idea of fidelity and like the whole relationship between Mrs Fox and Mr Fox is based on if she like there's the assumption that he's cheating on her and I think it's interesting that he works with his partner in this project and there's something interesting there about fidelity and working with someone you love. Mm, like you can always tell that because of how and who Fox it like Mr. Fox is, it's always going to put a strain on their relationship and it, who he is. While he she clearly loves him, he will always make the wrong mistakes at times. And perhaps one time in a potential sequel of some kind, it'll finally drive a wedge between these two foxes. Oh my god! Fun fact: He says Wes Anderson that he hasn't felt much pressure from anyone to do a sequel. And he said, like, probably because the profit margin on the movie wasn't as gigantic as they'd hoped. That's probably why he doesn't think there'll be a sequel. But he said, if they did do a sequel, they would start it at the sewer where the animals have retired to in the end. I think that, like, idea of starting the sequel off exactly where you ended it is interesting. Like, I don't know, what would you want in the sequel? Usually I'm apprehensive a movie or show goes past its source material. A cough, cough, Game of Thrones. <laughs> but I think because Wes was so clever in how he, he expanded an already really short novel into a full film by just taking the characters and adapting and expanding them into basically his own little world. I think it'll be quite interesting to see how he does it and maybe it'll be, I'd like to spend more time looking at Ash and how he trying and fits into his father's shoes because it does hint of that of him that being like the uh, that sport they were playing's grand champion and Ash being not particularly good. Yeah, and that he's, he's never taken along for the ride when he goes and starts stealing stuff. I do think if they were to do a sequel, he would probably be the right place to start it with. I think they could just do all the little kids as their own story, and then we could get more of, like, the young badger and mole. I think, perfect title, Fantastic Mr. Fox Jr. Oh, oh yeah, I like that. Come on, Wes Anderson, please. I think the film has an excellent climax in that it leads up to Christopherson being kidnapped and them being like, okay, we're going to war. Whereas in the book, there isn't really a climax, I'd say. I guess maybe the tree being knocked over and then being dug out. But other than that, I think because of how short it is, it kind of just stops and there's nothing really to happen and I think that's kind of where your complaint comes from and the fact that it just stops with them in the whole I feel like it was building up to another confrontation between them yeah I think the book is very much like there's kind of it's not so much climax but there's something that happens throughout each chapter like it's kind of like there's no definitive beginning exposition climax end it's all just the same digging and chase throughout the whole thing but I think the film does a good job of kind of putting the stakes there in that 
that he does get kidnapped and then it's like oh my god what we're gonna do we have to go get him i do think the film is much more entertaining to watch because it's the actions you're building up to it and then there's a clear resolution where yeah in the book like you said there's no resolution and i think with that climax it allowed all the characters to get even more time to develop and become more attached to like where they're in Bean's farm and it's just like the final confrontation. Bean and all his men are on one side, Fox and his family are on the other side. And it's just like edge of your seat stuff. And then you just get to see Ash make his dad proud. It's just so rewarding. Yeah. I also think I love the scene where they're getting ready for it and Mr. Fox goes around each animal saying their Latin name, but also telling us why and how they're going to be useful in the battle. It's like Marvel style where it's like, right, we're going to suit up, we're going to fight. And then it's like the face off and then it's the fight and like the rabid dog and how he's slowly crossing again closer to him. And it's, it's just so much more excitement and tension that the book lacks. Mm. I think like there's something interesting there like if you were to watch the film first and then read the book I think there would be a question of like this is this it I expected so much more I expected troubles and foxes in suits and that kind of thing and it's just Mr Fox digging for 80 pages I think, yeah it's definitely better to read the book and then watch the film because you get so charmed by this little book and you're like, i want to find out more about this i'm going to go watch the film and it expands on it so much whereas if you go the other way like oh that was an amazing film i'm going to go read the book now because that, that's what happens sometimes you'll go and watch a film and then you're going to want to go and read the book series whereas with fantastic mr fox you'll go and read the book and realize oh that's it yeah I'd be, I think I'd be really disappointed if I read the book afterwards, after I'd experienced the extravagance of the film. A fun thing I really enjoyed about the film was the fact that they replaced all swear words with the word cuss. I love that so much. I thought that was such a, it was such a quirky little detail for the film. And it was actually because Wes wanted to keep that PG rating and make it appealing to kids still. And I thought... Stuff like that, like the uh, saying curse and the violent way they eat food and like the swirling eyes thing. It's just so, it's so weird and Wes Anderson and it made the film even more charming than it already was. Yeah, it's, it's his witty humour that has a purpose to it at the same time. I, I just, I think it's when we watch like Disney films and that kind of stuff, we can, as an adult, you can see the mature content and obviously when you're a kid, you can't. And I think it's the same kind of thing in that, we know what the swear word is like when we watch it, but for a kid watching it, it's just funny. The quirkiness of Wes Anderson's adaptation is perfect for the quirkiness of Dahl's writing. And they perfectly, I don't think anyone else could have adapted Fantastic Mr. Fox better than Wes Anderson. And the way he did it was amazing. Yeah, I think it needed a quirky man with a quirky ideas to adapt the quirkiness like we only have to look at the adaptation of the witches that's just been done and like that's such a quirky book but I don't think they got the right director to do it and because of that the quirkiness that comes across in Dal's writing is lost in the adaptation. I for one can't wait for us to cover more Dal to see how they one compared to Fantastic Mr Fox but how tonally they're different from their source material. Yeah I'm I think like Fantastic Mr. Fox has, I've not, I didn't read it when I was a kid. Um, apparently, according to my dad, I had watched the film when I was younger, but I don't remember it. But I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of the 
darker ones compared to his other work. Like I think like the twits um like Matilda is much more lighthearted, but in this one we have these like mature themes of like stealing and alcoholism and that kind of stuff and I do think there'll be a difference but also it's also interesting that Fantastic Mr Fox is actually one of the most criticized works of Dahl. I didn't actually know that. Yeah I don't know if that's because of the mature themes or because of how tonally different it is. I think it's probably one of his shorter ones as well because I know like Matilda is a lot longer. I think it's difficult to criticize a one to criticize a kid's book and two to criticize a book so short and i think he did quite well with what he had like that such a short thing and he was able to explore some quite serious topics over such a short time and in a kid's book as well i thought it was quite almost brave to be able to in a time like that talk about stuff like that yeah it's definitely got a bigger message at play to make it a children's book but to also create such an important like message about addiction and all that kind of stuff is hard to do but he he pulls it off i think wes anderson actually does kind of invoke that addiction theme in the film as well because it's mr fox always trying to stop hunting stop being the animal and be the husband be the father but he keeps going back he's like just one more let's go to bunces tonight let's go to beans tonight and then eventually it all catches up with him and it basically undoes everybody yeah especially his wife there's that one scene where she says to him i never should have married you and it's it really hit my heart i was like oh my god she doesn't like she shouldn't have married him because at heart he is like an addictive personality i think as well the whole one more is very resonant with children and books when they're younger like they just want to read one more chapter one more chapter and the parents are like go to bed no more yeah definitely he's he's definitely such an appealing character for kids he's so like cheeky and uh, suave and he's the cool kid in every room yeah i do like him he's a very good protagonist of all the characters in fantastic mr fox be it even the book or the film who would you say is your favorite in the film is rap just because he's he's so funny and just the way he's all like he gets larger as he's about to fight Mr Fox and the accent and it's just he's a, just a cool character I think in the book it would probably be Badger because I quite like when Badger turns around to Mr Fox and says um you do realize that this is wrong and he like questions that you're stealing from like you're stealing from free men and stealing's wrong but then I like how easily Mr Fox is like yeah it's fine and Badger's like yeah it's fine and then they just go and steal him I don't know Badger's quite charming in the book what about you yeah Rat is an awesome character I loved him in the film with that his little switchblade and his little red and white jumper and it was just he was such a charming character but I really liked uh Possum I thought he was really funny just like the little not most gifted in the head but very loyal sidekick to Mr Fox and he was definitely like an ego boost to Fox in a way and he was just this he's definitely a bit of comedy relief and he was just you just want to hold him <laughs> yeah I like when he said um to Mr Fox you're not meant to look in the eyes of the rabid dog even though he looked in the eyes of the rabid dog and then he was meant to bring the berries or whatever it was and he didn't and it was written on his hands in ink. He's, he's very comic relief. 
and I think even the, if you just mentioned those characters, all the characters in Fantastic Mr. Fox are a treat to watch and a treat to read, with the exception of Bob Boggis, Bunsen Bean. Yeah, you really can really relate to them, and I, I think both book and film just do a really good job of characterization and kind of developing them and just writing and producing really just funny and kind and all kinds of characters which is what you want when you go into a book. Dahl was able to create these cool fantastical characters and then Wes was able to use those as inspiration and make it into something better and I think that's the perfect way to adapt a book. Yeah I think he keeps the source material exactly as it is but he makes it even better without tarnishing the source material to begin with to the point that he takes these characters and he dresses them in all different costumes and each one is unique and each one has something funny about them and something new to them and to do that in an hour and a half like that and and to even write such characters in to begin with in such a short book it's such talent. They complement each other so well and they manage to cover the same themes and do the same thing and they're masters of their form in a way. Like when you think of a children's author, you think of Roald Dahl. If you think of a director, Wes Anderson's going to be one of them and they're just perfect for each other. Do you want to know a cool fact? I would love to hear a cool fact. So the film's ending is not the same in Dahl's. Obviously we've discussed that but it's actually similar to Dahl's original unused ending that oh. Anderson discovered in the author's home archives so somewhere in the archives Dahl originally had the ending of them attacking and then going back under I think mean, that's really cool well, that's really interesting I think that's that shows how committed again Wes was to making the perfect adaptation of Dahl's book and I think I kind of I don't know if they did but I would have really hoped that they had the chance to to meet at some point oh that think, would have been cool yeah yeah i would love to know why dal didn't use the ending though and decided on the ending that he did i think maybe he wanted something simple and sweet that you could read to your kid before bed have a nice simple ending yeah also an ending that you can kind of go back to as well in that it's left open for the reader to imagine do, do they ever run out of food? Like, do, do the farmers ever leave? It's, it's that open ending that you kind of want as a child to grow your imagination. Would you like to hear my cool fact? I would. It won't be as good as mine, but I would. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Doll was used as the inspiration for the character model for Bean. Oh, wow. That, no, I did not know that. And I'm, I kind of feel offended on Doll's behalf. <laughs> and that they look like the spitting image of each other, because I had a Google of what Dahl look like and then compare him to Bean and they look really similar. That's testament to the power of Wes Anderson to get that so similar but also pretty mm. cool and I think it adds to the whole this film is a film for Dahl and a film that is full of Dahl even though it goes beyond his source material. A lot of adaptations borderline feel like they just stole the same concept and didn't actually read the book but you can tell here that Anderson spent so much time looking at the book and the history of Dahl and wanted to, he really wanted to make the perfect film for Dahl. Yeah, and it pays off because I think it's one of the best adaptations that I've seen of a book. There's no issue there that he's left anything out, that he's ruined anything. He takes what you've fallen in love with as a book and he actually 
makes it better. And in making the film so good, he hasn't actually even made the book feel worse. The book still has its charm and its appeal, and even more so after watching the film. And it just makes you so happy that a book like this could inspire someone as talented as Wes Anderson. Yeah. If Wes Anderson could adapt any book of your choice, what book would you want him to adapt? I think... I, there's a book of mine which I really love and it's called The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers and it's a science fiction book and it's really visuals of it that I describe is so beautiful and the characters are so original and quirky and I think it'd be really cool to see Wes Anderson do a science fiction film. Yeah, the science fiction requires a lot of visuals. It's what kind of aids the film and I do think it'd be a challenge for him, him but I think he'd probably pull it off. It would be cool to see it done animated, but I don't know if it would work better animated or live action. What book would you have Wes Anderson adapt? Hmm. I'd quite like to see him do a horror. Like, I'd quite mm. like him to take maybe one of Stephen King's novels and make it really quirky and just take the spookiness of it and the creepiness of it, but make it kind of humour and witty in typical Wes Anderson style. Kind of spoof it in a way. Yeah. I don't think the dark tones of a horror would match with his very bright palette, though. Yeah, I think he definitely does something interesting and original, but I don't know if people would class it as a horror. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to classify horror nowadays. And another iconic thing about Wes Anderson is the cast he employs. He always has so many cool people in his films. Uh, Bill Murray and Willem Dafoe being frequent collaborators. He got Meryl Streep. He got and he got George Clooney. Like and him being able to put those voices to these such unique characters just emphasised how important these characters are and how cool and amazing thing that they can be. Yeah, it's testament to West to get those people, but it's also the characters that we've become emotionally attached to in the film is all down to the voicing of the actors as well. And mm -hmm. I think they make such a great mix. Like sometimes you look at a film and you're like, wait a second, why? Why have we got George Clooney and Meryl Streep? Like, is this going to go disastrously wrong? But it, but it works. Yeah, I think that's kind of an advantage of an animated film over a actual live action film because you see like all these famous actors and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm not watching, I don't know, some guy from a film. I'm watching this actor. Whereas voice thing, yes, you'll kind of, key into like it's someone's voice but you're still watching Mr Fox yeah I do think there's a kind of thing when you go to watch a film that you what you're watching it for the actor like I've been prone to just watch a film because one of my favorite actors is in it and there's this praising of said film because that actor is in it like I will watch anything that Lily James is in she's brilliant but by having it animated, you're not there for the actors, you're there for the characters, and you're not falling in love with the, the actors, you're falling in love with the story and the characters that Wes and Dahl have created for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've come to the end of the page and to the credits. So, book or film? It's got to be the film. I think I'm I kind of biased because I love Wes Anderson as a director but he's improved on basically every aspect of the book in the best ways he can and still pays homage to the book and I think that's something adaptations don't often do. 
yeah i agree it's definitely the film for me it's it's got the entertainment it's got the love of the characters and the plot and it's got the love of a director who's putting his imagination and joy that he found in a book into this film and i don't i, I genuinely don't think he could have done it any better there's there's not one thing when i watch that film and i think you know what, he could have done that differently. Oh, you know what, he's really missed the mark here. He's like, every single part of it is ticks all the boxes that you want from an adaptation. No, we've just got to wait for the live-action adaptation in the style of Cats. No! <laughs> I will not be watching that. I, mean, I don't think you need a live-adaptation ad- because it's already pretty live-action. They're so realistic anyway. That is true, yeah. You don't need it. And also, how are they going to get a real fox? Like, they got real dogs for the Lady and the Tramp, but I don't think they could tame a fox. Have you seen cats? Oh, God. Someone dressed as a fox? Oh, no. <laughs> no, George Clooney dressed as a fox. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And don't forget to follow us on social media. At from page to picture on Instagram and at from page to pick on Twitter, where you can keep up to date with new episodes and sneak peeks. In our next episode, we'll be discussing Emma by Jane Austen.